This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you from the Distillers, Fulham Palace Road, just down the road from where they've announced that we're going to be playing on Friday night, Friday the 13th, which is going to be unlucky for some, hopefully not unlucky for the mighty, mighty bees, as us and Fulham are going to be playing a match on Sky. Say Friday night, so like I said to you, put that in your diaries now, it's been flipped from the Saturday, but I digress, because like I said to you, we're at the Distillers, we haven't been here for a while, a rock and roll pub as we call it, and as you can see, the upstairs room is absolutely full, we've got people all around us here they've got the music they've got the still the vinyl on the walls um, they've got all sorts of drinks behind the bar they've got food they've got everything is a uh, great bar this really cool bar um, place that we might even pop into after the Fulham game depending on how the result goes as they say but like I said I'm Billy Grant and I am big smile on my face because I've had a 100% weekend I've actually participated in 100% activity 100% smiling 100% football 100% relaxation after that. It's been a complete and utter 100% weekend for me. And I've got my chums around here in the distillers. The GP, Gary Paul, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, mate. Not looking to, not too bad at all. 100% for you this weekend? I mean, have you had a 100% weekend? Yeah, I say definitely was, mate. Enjoyed the, um, enjoyed our victory and then a bit of rest and relaxation and a little bit in the gym. Excellent. I've got the mallard. In the house, Yellard, how are you? Oh yeah, I'm very good. I um, love this part of the distillers. It's always, there's always something going on here. Um, there's a there's a function room upstairs, and what I've heard is is that the tab to use is Clarkson's tab. So <laughs> so that's the tab to use behind the bar. Um, also, the other thing I like about it is they have a they have when you go upstairs towards the toilets, they have on the wall they have the periodic table of heavy metal, which which appeals to me. Um, so I am obviously Iron Maiden, DL. Def Leppard, VH Van Halen, M with a O with a with an umlaut is it an umlaut? That's obviously Motorhead, Motorhead. BMW, DP, DP, Deep Purple should be Deep Purple, shouldn't it? But it's Dreadlock Pussy. No idea what that's all about. Never heard of them, but they think they missed something there. <laughs> and are you feeling 100% this weekend? Were you? 
Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was. Um, I mean, it was everything that was required. You know, we said on the podcast last week that we had to sort of come back flying, and we and we did. We did the business. Excellent, excellent. And we got the Dutchman in the house. Dutchman, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Billy. Very well indeed. Um, as always, honoured to be here and looking forward to chatting about football. Not stats, not XG, not statistics, not spreadsheets, because that's what I do all day long. You're in the uh, the wrong place, mate. I'm saying, feeling 100% this weekend, were you? Mate, 100%. I I, I had a family doing somewhere near franchise on Saturday in the afternoon, so I popped out for a a beer with you and some other chums in the Globe on Saturday, and I had 100% more beer than I was meant to. Uh, It's 400% more beer than I was meant to, um, which kind of made the evening quite lengthy. Excellent. It's good that you can lengthen these evenings out as much as you can do. But like I said, we've got a lot to talk about today because we've got a big match on Saturday. We've got Borough coming to town. You know, every time Borough come to town, they get very, very lively. They enjoy coming down to Griffin Park because they always seem to get a result. But fingers crossed, this time will be the time that they don't get the result. We've got Andy from the, the Smoggy Solars podcast. He's going to be chatting to us later about Borough. But before that, we need to go back to last weekend because we had Hull City... Up and Hull, and up there an early kickoff again on Sky. Sky, they seem to like us for some reason at the moment now. I wonder why that is. But we were on Sky early on Saturday morning. We went up there to Hull after losing to Forest in the midweek, which is very depressing. I have to say, actually, I'm going to have to put a little word out there as well. Uh, anyone that listened to the podcast last week, there was a lot of depression that went down. I mean, you know, I was at the Allard and you know, Liberal Nick and all that, which wasn't happy and. And the mind had gone, and, and uh, we couldn't even remember who we played the week before or the week after, who we'd lost to, who we were playing the following week. There was all sorts of mistakes because the mind had gone all mushy. Yeah, it was all a bit weird, wasn't it? Even Nick started talking about XG and you know, and, and using that as a barometer. It was. I mean, it completely threw us, and we just. And I have to apologise because normally we, you know, we keep trying to keep our standards relatively low, no, <laughs> relatively high as it is. Like you know, we do a little bit of prep beforehand. Most of it is freestyle, free flowing because that's the way that we like to do it. But last week the mind had just gone to mush because that forest result. I have to admit, you know me, I always try to keep my pecker up, as they say, and we won't talk about Denmark at all. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we like to keep a pecker up. But last week I was, um, I was absolutely. I was blown away um, and I apologise and I will try not to do it again but anyway we're going to look forward or look back to Saturday Hull City we went up there we beat them we scored five goals we were very very happy we're going to go back to the fans listen to what they had to say Bees fans and also the Hulls fans after the match Absolutely it's the perfect tonic to wash down the, um, the, de- the defeat on Tuesday I thought we we didn't. Re- we were coasting in the first half. We obviously conceded a really naff goal, uh, and I don't think we ever really hit our stride. Really hit into gear. Second half, I thought the midfield tightened up a little bit, got a bit more solid. There was a bit more fluidity to our passing. But th- at the end of the day, the result was the important thing. We needed to get a win in order to get us- get ourselves back on track. But I think it's the the momentum that we've built up with it. You know, five one win. We'll get onto the scorers in a second, I'm sure. But yeah, just it's such a valuable way in which we have bounced back. So yeah, we got the result, but the performance, particularly in the second half as well, yeah, it's just, it's just wicked. I think today what we showed was that um, we can put a game behind us quickly, and that is a strength we haven't had before, really. And I think now we just, we just, I think Frank Sykes some up and says, right now, come on, forget that game, let's do this one. 
and it was a brilliant performance, you know. And also, I think Ben Rama was probably still a bit too under the we- under the under the weather, so to speak, after his dad died. Maybe he was plunged into it too early last week, but today, I mean, just he just gave it everything, and it was fantastic. You know me; I'm always quite superstitious. But after seeing how many players they lost yesterday, I thought we could do it. I thought the two-one would just about be enough, and then I started getting a little bit worried, and then realised no. Once we got the third goal, I thought no, no, this is it. We got it in the bag. The transfer window has been good for us in not losing any of our main players, our main stars. The Baptiste and the Fosu signings have probably strengthened us. I think they may have been looking at another forward that didn't happen, which was a shame. But I think with our squad and our depth, with Halil, Emiliano, maybe Force from March onwards, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Brentford were, frankly, head and shoulders above us. And the speed of their play was just so good. I can't really think of a positive thing to say about it. The only good thing is probably one of our young lads, Keen Lewis Potter, played for a full 90 minutes, but I really see us struggling this season. And frankly, I can't see where we're going to get any goals or any points. Yes, most definitely. Halil becomes a 1,000th uh, player to play in the Football League for Brentford, and there's probably, I think, 1,027 or wherever he was, but yeah, the 1,000th Brentford player since 1920 to play in the Football League for Brentford Football Club is uh, quite a milestone, actually. It's quite a milestone. A match to forget today for Hull City fans, and in fact, it was almost a carbon copy of the game at Griffin Park last season, with yet another Ben Rama hat-trick. We just haven't been good enough defensively without Geordie the Vice, and it showed today. Um, the only goal that we got as well with our attacking threat was from a defender, tough as early, and a very, very lucky goalkeeper error. Other than that, we were nowhere near the level of the Bees, and you could argue that the tragic last day of deadline or transfer deadline day yesterday with the loss of Camille Grzycki and Jared Bowen is really, really starting to show. To score five away at Hull is incredible. It could have been seven, eight, nine. It could have been anything out up there today. And they, they only got a goal through some absolute fluke from David Reyes' uh, fluff. So uh, you can't ever say a bad thing about a 5-1 away uh, win so I'm not even going to get too critical I'm so proud and so pleased for um, for Saeed Ben Rama you know you could see what it meant to him and the way he celebrated for his father so yeah brilliant just a brilliant brilliant start to the day mate I'm historically been quite pessimistic but I really think we're bang up for this top two uh, I think we are trying to win there's a massive boost two signs of quality uh, a very good Oxford friend who I spoke to yesterday singing the praises massively we're right in this I feel very very good that we're going to be up there in the end so there you have it the fans Bees fans and Hull City fans after the game Hull City fans are really down in the dumps obviously they sold their two star players before that match as well but to be fair they hadn't I don't think won a game in four before that so they were on a bit of a slump even before they sold their players Bees they'd come back from losing 1-0 to, to Forest as we said beforehand oh, I got to call them Stoke City and all sorts of teams last week, but yeah, it was Nottingham Forest who we lost to last Tuesday, and uh, but we, they bounced back for that. The bounce back ability factor, as people talked about after the, the match in the pub, was uh, it was tremendous for Brentford, and that's one thing that we actually have to give a big plus sign for because yes, okay, we have lost a lot of matches this season, but we also won a fair few matches. We spanked a load of teams as well, and the bounce back ability factor has been really great, but. 
If you listen to the Love Sport radio show with the old XG Dave and Robin Hood, Pride of West Dot London, that was on Monday as well. Those two guys did a great job and they talked about the match. They talked about this with Matt Beadle. They talked about, you know, lots of things regarding that whole game. So check that out. They give a proper in-depth analysis on that one. So we just thought, listen, we're going to talk about the whole game, but we're just going to just drill down on a few little points here because we thought it was very, very interesting because uh, if you notice a few weeks ago, people were, were doubting as to whether Brentford would even maybe make the playoffs because they said that our cons- inconsistency was too much and, and they weren't sure about it now. But all of a sudden, you know, we've had a few good results under our belt. OK, we lost to Forest, And now people are kind of, they're purring about us. And the one thing I've noticed is that if you look on certain sites and everything like that, I mean, people are kind of, they seem to have gone overboard on the bees, And that they've gone from one way to the next, where sometimes they, they think, oh, great football, we're not too sure now. And I think one interesting thing was that Ben Rama, whoscored.com, if you don't check it out, it's a great site. It gives you really good in-depth information about matches, about players, statistical stuff. And it gives you a rating of, you know, how they believe each player has done. And, and they always have their sort of top three or top five or, or their player of the week depending on the scores they give them. Now, Ben Rama, unbelievably, got a perfect 10 from whoscored.com, which is which is quite rare for a player to get a perfect 10. Now, I mean, I'm thinking Ben Rama, he had a, he had a great game, obviously. You know, he really wanted to score for his father. You know, his, his dad died, you know, really sadly a week and a bit beforehand. You know, he came back for the Forest game. He really tried to score against that. It didn't happen. But then afterwards, he, he came out against Hull, you know, with a bit between his teeth, and he scored a hat trick, and he pulled up his shirt. He got a yellow card for it, you know, and he had the he, 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 he had the message to his father, you know, um, about you know I love you, Dad, and uh, yes, great for Ben Rama, scored three goals, and he was very good, um, at perfect ten, though the Allards question mark. Um. Perfect. Is it ever possible to be a perfect ten? Did he? Did he? I mean, that, that was just everything he did was absolutely perfect and right. I'm, I'm, I, I'm trying to remember the match in a bit more detail as to whether he sort of, you know, had a few fluffs or not. Anybody think or remember? Yeah, he did. But I guess that's what's making him special. That he's not going to get everything right because he tries to do things at a level that that others can't do. Um, yeah, ten out of ten is impossible for anybody. That suggests you can't get better. And clearly he can get better, but he, he was he was pretty damn good, that's for sure. But I'm slightly uncomfortable with all this praise coming our way because uh, it hasn't happened before and it's a real new thing to get used to. And we've, we've prided ourselves on being under the radar and this kind of nonsense. And all of a sudden we seem to be in every tabloid, broadsheet, online, you know, you, you name it, we're there. And it's all saying nice things and <laughs> I don't like it. Was this was this rating of a perfect ten bill? Was it a rating one to ten, like one, two, three, or could you have nine point eight? Oh, you could have nine point eight, nine point oh. six. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of our players, would, you know, if you look at the, the who scored charts as well, seven point one, seven point two. We'll talk about Middlesbrough later as well, as where their players come in. They average between six and seven out of ten, you know. But in between there, but you know, for our players, getting eight, eight point five, nine, ten is is pretty pretty stupendous, guys. Yeah, I don't see it as a 10 out of 10 performance, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you misery. Well, no, well, I, I, you know, yeah, as, as you said, unless every shot, every unless you've got 100% pass completion, 100% of your shots go in, you know, I, I don't see that you, how you can 
say that as you know, as has been said, I don't see how you can say that was the perfect performance. And, and that, and, and I guess that was my point was that if it was you know nine point six rounded up to ten, then it was a ten. But if, but if it could have been nine point six, it's probably nine point six, right? I mean, just talk. I mean, talking about the match itself and Ben Rama's contribution to the game, because you know. He is a player that obviously can change matches. You know, when he's on form, he's really great. And I know that, you know, there's one thing that Matt mentioned. He said to you, you know, to be fair, you know, just coming back to Hull, Hull weren't a great side or they weren't great on Saturday. They looked deflated, as you said. Um, but then we've had situations where we've come and played against teams who have not been great, but we, we haven't performed against them so you you've also got to be on your a game didn't you yeah i mean you you can only beat what's in front of you and like we we were saying this sort of in the warm-up for tonight um because we do do some prep believe it or not uh that you know i i kind of felt the whole weren't that great and, and to be honest after 10 minutes i thought we were gonna you know i i felt we were gonna thrash them but uh it didn't feel the same at 2-1 i have to say but like you say bill you can you can only beat what's in front of you and um and, and we did it, and we and we put we, we put it to bed, you know. And we've we've we probably have beat them. We've probably drawn with worse teams than Hull this season, I suppose you could say, or maybe even lost to them, Birmingham. I mean, Dutch. I mean, side Ben Rama. He is he is a he is a special player, you know. Everyone that I speak to when they talk about it, I mean, obviously he gets obviously memed quite a lot. He gets quick clip quite a lot on social media. So a lot of people see that they don't see. You know, you don't see the full game, but he is a special kind of player. And uh, he's a player that most likely, and I'm saying this laughing-wise, and I shouldn't be laughing that, you know, if, unfortunately, if we don't go up at the end of the season, he probably most likely won't be with us next year. In terms of probably most likely, you mean definitely, I think, is the short version of that, Bill. Um, listen, he's unique, isn't he? And that, that's what makes him so special. And we're getting a bit... I don't think any of us are getting blasé because we're all mostly grounded in years of you know, average nonsense at Brentford. But, you know, he's been touted to be 30 million pound this week has been banded around for him. You know, we're looking at 30 million pound players that we're holding on to in transfer windows. And he adds something different. You know, he doesn't get everything right. Uh, and that's the nature of what he does. But he's absolutely unique. And he's only got to have some moments during a game where that works, as we've all seen. And he unlocks and he creates and he scores and he finishes and he's got whatever he's got this year nine ten goals this year as well as the assists but he just takes players away all the time other teams are putting two players on him three players on him they're trying to put two players on Watkins you know and Brian's there on the right game mate no one's even noticed me yet for for the last 15 games and you know it, it's opening up and he's, he's a very very special talent and he's in a team that works for him but he's in a team where he fits um, I think, hopefully, personally and, and professionally. But listen, he's, he's too good for the championship, and if we want to keep hold of players like him, we need to get up. And, and, and I'm saying, I mean, we know what his skills are, but you know, dribbling brilliantly, you know, passes brilliant, long shots brilliant. You know, he's good at crossing, set pieces, free kicks, passing through balls, good at finishing. His only main weakness is uh, defensive. And also, he's not great in the year, of course, um, as well. But defensively, but what I thought interesting is that recently, in the past, you know, month or so as well, you notice he's been tracking back, and he's also been getting involved defensively, hasn't he? Yeah, he works hard. I mean, there's, I, he definitely works hard. I, I, I wouldn't say, say, you know, anything otherwise. Uh, he, I don't think he's made any badly mistimed challenges. I seem to remember when he first joined us, he could, he was more than capable of putting one of those in. Um, and that could cause him the odd problem here and there. So yeah, I, 
I, at the moment, I think there were just games where he drifted in, and he and when he wasn't involved, he drifted a bit earlier in the season. But I, like you say, I think the game against Hull sort of was a culmination of um, of everything we know he can do, and yeah, it was brilliant. Not, not guess. I think on that point, I think we as a team and as a unit are much better at letting Saeed, when Saeed goes, the cover behind him is a lot better, like you'll see Jensen come across and cover um, Saeed's man, or you'll see Nordgaard come across, or yeah, one of the midfielders tends to come across and cover him, so they tend to do that switch, but they're a lot better at doing than they have been in the past, where maybe... Hotter was around and Hotter was gone, no, and we're rigid in the positions that we were. I mean, just looking at the whole match as well, you know, he had nine shots, six key passes, five dribbles as well. So, you know, when they talk about players like them, you know, making their contribution to the game, he was, uh, yeah, he was, you know, he, he, he was definitely enjoying his time on the ball. So he only scored three shots out of nine, and he got 10 out of 10. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Listen, listen, talking about that game as well. I mean, like I said to you, you know, and we're again, we're just listen, we're not we're not knocking Saeed because he's a wicked player, but listen, we're just talking around what's going else around us now as well. And also, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep a little bit of a level head because uh, we know what it's like when you get overly carried away, and if you don't do, you're going to get knocked back by a bit of disappointment. And we want to try and keep on, oh, you know be realistic but also keep our levels down a little bit and I think everyone around us is getting excited and for us we just want to try and kind of just keep it kind of cool but all this should interestingly is uh, is a there's a site called InfoGoal which people may or may not know it, 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 it very much delves into the XG and all sorts of stuff on the statistical side which you may or may not like And but what's interesting is they've come out with this uh, this rating fairly recently which has which has been quite divisive for people because people have gone what the hell is that all about? And every week they basically look at every game in the championship or up and down the leagues and they basically kind of grade them as to how fair or not fair the result was. So they have a fairness rating for each game. So in effect, like say for example, when we play Birmingham City, and I have to come back to that again because everyone knows that Birmingham City had one ridiculous, like, you know, not even a quarter chance. It was like a minuscule of a chance from a you know, from about 35 yards of the header and they got a one goal out of that and we had about 95,000 chances that we didn't score one and the fairness rating for that, I can't remember what they put it at, they put the fairness rating at like five or something like, the most, the most unfair. it was the most unfair result that had ever happened in the world ever. So that's quite interesting they've done that. So this week they've come out and they've got all the results and they've got Brentford five, you know, whole one, you know, Brentford five and they've given us a fairness rating of 100%. And uh, when that came out, again, a lot of people said, what is this fairness rating thing? But from all of us sort of going, ooh, 100%, has that ever happened? I mean, is this like the fairest result that has ever happened in the world? And I know it's sort of kind of like there's... How, how it's measured is, you know, is, is a little bit random and everything like that. But I think it's the concept behind it that there are people out there that think that the result that we had about against Hull was the fairest result that has ever had. I mean, the Allard, your thoughts? I, I've, I've sort of scanned over this a bit. Um, the XG rating wasn't rounded up and it's 5-1 as far as I can make out, so I don't know how it's what makes it 100% fair. We beat Luton. Was that 100% fair? I mean, yeah, I... I, I yeah, I mean, even it was fair. I, Again, even though I'd argue that... Well, 
five an extra year of five doesn't mean five goals yeah. yeah which is the bit I don't get um, so yeah I guess it was fair I mean it was fair it was fair is it what does 100% mean what does 99% it's a bit we've almost we're going back to the Ben Rama argument can you be 10 I, I don't know so, I mean, so basically it's saying that the fact that we beat them 5-1 means that was absolutely accurately the everything that happened in that game was 100% fair yeah. and, and I, I've, I've never seen that before no, I haven't. I still don't get it. But because, yeah, I, I don't get it because I don't see any number that tells me it should have finished 5 1. In which case, if, which if I did, I would agree it was 100% fair. Yeah, I mean, again, the fairness is an interesting one. For argument's sake, let's say it was a very tight game and we had one open goal and the score was 1 0. Might have been a tight game, but surely the fairness would again be 100% if there was only one short. 100% chance that you should score there, there are so many different ways of the interpretation of this and also the, at the end of the day is that I think more to the question is that what does it really mean you'd expect nothing different from me Billy on this we, we scored five times they scored one so the score was given as 5-1 and we got given three points so therefore that's 100% fair Okay, I've got, I've, I can I can actually I can get into a bit of an argument on that one because I, I, as I said to you, if 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 you want to have that argument, then we should never have any other conversations about anything that happens in football because if we played a game against Hull and we had seventy five shots, sixty five of them had brilliant saves by the goalkeeper in the top corner, right? Some of them came off the arse and hit the crossbar and hit the, and everything like that, and they never went in the back of the net. And at the end of the day, we won one nil, or maybe they even won one nil. All right, with one shot that they had from 45 yards that came off the back of the referee and the back of the net. Even though that couldn't happen now because the rules are changed. I'm being facetious though. So would that be a fair result in your book because they won one nil and they got three points? It depends what you mean by fair. fair. Fair is how many goals you score, how many you let in. So in, in, you, when, there's, there's unlucky, there's hard, but fair, you know, Birmingham beat us fair and square. We lost 1 0. Massively unlucky, massively, you know, unlikely un- result based on what happened in the game. But as in fair, they scored one goal we didn't. Okay, but this is where, this is, hold on a second, this is, this is where you start playing with words. Because at the end of the day, I've heard you and a lot of us sit in a pub where we've battered a team and you sat in the pub over a pint going, jeez, that wasn't on the fair result. Or, or you ask somebody, do you think it was a, after, in the podcast afterwards, do you think that was a fair result? Yes, that's a fair result. No one actually says, well, we won 1-0, so that's a fair result. So I think when you flip, you start flipping the words in a different way, because I've, I've heard you, I, I, on the podcast I said to you, it's a fair result, Dutchman. Yeah, that was a fair result, Bill. You know, at the end of the day, we had, we had dominated the game. We had the shots on goal. They weren't very good, and, and we beat them 1-0. You know what I'm saying? And other times, you sort of say, oh, yeah, do you think it's a fair result? No, to be quite honest with you, I think a, a draw would have been a fair result because, you know, we hit the post. So that is what we mean by a fair result. So coming back to those types of terms, as in the pub, can you, would you re-jig your, your, your definition? No. <laughs> it's the putting the percentage on it that, that's why you know, listen I'm playing slightly you know opposite to everybody else because everyone else seems to be you know loved up with the whole stats thing and I get it and understand it as I say and I'm, I'm a numbers person by trade I, I struggle with this allocation of whether it's a 98% fair or a 100% fair or 
And you know, I'm going with a generic football fan's gut feel, fair result, unlucky result. Um, I know exactly where you're coming from from this, and I'm I'm being slightly flippant in denying it. But you know, 100% fair result. I know fair's about gut feeling. Fair's about did we deserve to win based on like you don't deserve to win unless you're scoring ultimately. And if you don't get as many goals as the opposition, you don't deserve to win. I think that's one of my. I think that's that's my main beef with it. I don't like the word fair because, let's say for argument's sake, you can see the goal in the first minute. You missed three. You missed four penalties and three open goals. It would probably say it's not a fair result. But I think it is because if you miss those, that's your dumb fault. You know, that's just you being stupid. Yes, you know, you could give it another word. I don't. I, I just don't think fair is the right word, and I don't like it when people say, "Oh, it's not fair." I've never liked that word. And after the Birmingham game early season, I did have that discussion. Say, so, "Well, it was fair because they scored and we didn't." Again, I, mean, I think we're playing with words here, and I think we know what we're talking about because we have the discussions in the public I just don't like the word fair because it makes me think well we should have what we should have what we shouldn't win if you if you don't execute properly you don't win was it was it a just result just yeah which is just just as a sort of is a fair word but probably but probably it's got a little bit more credence a little bit more kind of qualification to it I think just so we're playing play with words, of course, but when you say something's not fair, that sounds like in some way you've been cheated or something untoward or illegals happened, as opposed to just not quite being good enough or being unlucky. And I think that's you know we are playing with words, of course we are, and it's probably really dull listening for outsiders. Yeah, but, but we do <laughs> say, but everyone says it. Was that a fair result? It's it's an English, it's, it's a language colloquialism. It's just what we say. I would say that the Birmingham game for our for. As an example, the Birmingham game was statistically erroneous. See, now we're getting two bigger words, especially when you've had a few pints either before or after the game. But we shall move on. But we'll keep an eye on that. Like I said to you, we're throwing it in there because we think, tell you something, we pour, we think it's probably more interesting the fact that, like I said to you, these people are giving us these glowing reports. They're basically, we'll go out there and we beat Hull, who, to be fair, <laughs> sorry, can't even help it. To be fair, Hull City. Were, um, were, weren't that great that day. So we basically did a job on them. We did the right type of job. So is it the fair result? Probably it was, but you know, also the opposition wasn't great. Leeds battered Wigan at the weekend and lost 1-0. Is that fair? Yes. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ask a Leeds fan, was that a fair result? They would say, absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? So there you go. And I suppose the football is all down to people's different opinions out there. And you could throw your numbers in to give a little bit of qualification, but at the end of the day, it definitely sides down on who you support, what you're feeling on the day, what your opposition does, and basically, you're always going to be a little bit biased. But let's move on a little bit, because we're going to be talking about something that was uh, quite fair and square, and that was a ball that was shot from the halfway... It wasn't even shot, it was kind of lobbed into the area from the halfway line, and somehow... It managed to find its way in between David Rea, Brentford goalkeeper's legs, and into the back of the net. And uh, at that point, Brentford were cruising. And this is quite an interesting thing, because when you're talking about whether it was a fair result, you know, um, 5-1, we got 100%. Everyone thought it was a 100% fairest result. But then, don't forget, we've gone 2-1 down halfway through when it was into the first half. 
if I remember rightly. And uh, there's a little bit of tension, if I remember rightly, from the fans that are watching that game, was there not? Yeah, I mean, I, you suddenly felt the momentum change a bit. It's a, it was one of those sort of, it, it was a very odd goal. Um, I mean, it was. It's not odd if you watch it. It's, it's clear what happened, but you don't see it very often. And and it did feel like the momentum had changed. And and I guess you know, with you know, as a Brentford fan, you kind of start thinking, "Oh my lord!" And, and I do think Hull then had five minutes where they actually looked like they might trouble us a little bit. Um, so yeah, it was a bit. It was a little bit concerning. I thought. I think where I think it's what I call the ghosts of last season where we were controlling games we wasted chances then all of a sudden it got back you know we conceded a goal and then conceded two or three more in a short space of time luckily the team and that you know was so much defensively more solid that doesn't happen now and we are able to kind of you know shore up and then go again and, and I think you, elo- you eloquently made the point that I was trying to make but far better than I did is that is that last season that felt like they could easily have gone to two all quite quickly and then who knows where it goes from there this season we've we've run out and won that game 5-1 and interestingly today it was actually uh, given to Raya um, probably something that he didn't really want and it was actually uh, designated as an own goal officially um, and we're thinking I mean I'm just wondering possibly and I'm going to ask the Dutchman here do you think that I mean, we're only in February now, but do you think that possibly may be the own goal of the season? I'm going to absolutely hate myself for asking this, but what was the XG of that goal? Because I'm sure you'll know the answer. No, well, it too, because I actually looked on it and it's actually not rated. So because, I don't know, it's because it wasn't a shot, it's actually no, there's no rating on it. So it's a bit strange. So what's happened is that Hull have got not, they've not got anything out of that. Maybe because it, don't know, because it wasn't a shot or it wasn't a chance or it, it, it was a bit strange, you know, I suppose. I suppose it's the same thing if, if, if a goalkeeper threw it into the back of his net, it probably wouldn't have, a, it wouldn't have one either. Well, I guess all it was was a, it was a prod pass forwards and if you rated every prod pass forwards in a game as XG, you'd have a lot of minor XGs, I guess. So that's why I guess it isn't. Could I then say that, it wasn't, that result wasn't fair because Hull shouldn't have got one? Well, this is what I'm trying to say. This, this is what I'm saying. This whole hundred percent thing. It was all the, all the, or, or, or it shouldn't have been. No, it's not the fair because the fairness said it's hundred percent. Or should it, should it have been ninety-eight or ninety-nine points? This is this is what I'm trying to say to you. Is that like, where does this come from? And and are people just glowing in Brentford that they're just giving us everything? I go back to the original question. Was it the young goal of the season? It was quite bad. Um, he's had a couple of moments where he's got away with it. I mean, he's been fantastic all season. And it's best to get your howler out of the way, certainly in a game where you where you score five. The best thing is if you watch that clip again with the sound up, the boos and sighs from the whole fans when that guy <laughs> hit that pass forward were amazing. And then they, they don't even really cheer. It goes from, oh, not another weight. Oh, oh. Um, it, listen, it was, it's a comical moment. We didn't laugh at the time. We laughed afterwards. He'll learn from it, I'm sure. Um, I thought I'll tell you what I thought was a real positive after that was the way that I only saw two on the TV but Jean Vier and I think Saeed ran the length of the pitch to to pat him on the back and hug him I thought it was a really good positive team spirit sign um, and that was that was that was really good to see excellent that was good so listen um, go around the table here because I just thought about this because I thought that was a pretty I mean I didn't think of it as an own goal but I suppose they had to give it to somebody so in the end it's been given as an own goal 
I mean, I've seen a few own goals in my time, and I just thought, let's go around the table here and tell me what was the funniest, stroke worst, stroke most unbelievable own goal you have ever seen. GP. Now, one of the funniest was, I think it was 98, we played Brighton at home. It was um, Glenn Thomas scored um, a wonderful goal for us. And I think what made it funnier were that... um, Brentford had just scored and he'd done something stupid. I can't remember what it is. He'd done something stupid which resulted in us scoring. And as the Brighton fans were um, kind of murmuring, Andy Scott got the ball, went down the wing, crossed it in and there was nobody within about 10 yards of him and he just half volleyed it into his own top, into the top corner of the net. Like and Brentford went 2-0 up and he was taken off at half-time and Griffin Park was just chanting, bring back number five. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And the Allards, any any thoughts on any old goal activity from you? Did Arlie Dean scored one or, one or two, did he not? I seem to remember, but, or maybe that seems to remember Birmingham. Anyway, the one, the one I remember uh, would be, um, uh, this is a name that will, you know, here come the cold sweat, um, cold sweat. so I'm um, Ashley Bays. Uh, against Luton uh, and I was in New Rose so I could see the ball go in and I'm sure it wasn't goal bound until Ashley Bayes managed to sort of scoop it into his own net uh, Not still not really sure how he did it but I can still almost visualise it and um, yeah so Ashley Bayes was involved in a few kind of in, especially in his early days a few uh, interesting uh, fluffs basically I remember. I remember there's one again it's not an own goal when it was, uh, it was a night game, and I remember he came running out of his goal to kick the ball away, and he just completely air kicked, missed the ball completely, and the player just ran in and scored in the, in the back of the, an empty net. It was was it Swans? Somebody thought it was Swans. I'm not sure, but no, it was uh, it was quite bad that one. The Dutchman um, own goal, Tastic. Can you remember any? I think I may have even used this one before on the pod, but I have got to go back to sticking with the goalkeepers. Uh, Vince Bartram played associated with Arsenal. Uh, Bournemouth away. Certainly around Christmas, possibly Boxing Day, somewhere in the mid-90s, if I'm guessing, where just everything went right for us that day. And I think we scored a penalty, probably Denny Mundy or someone scored a penalty. They got two penalties, they missed them both. Bartram had one catastrophic error that led to a goal. And then he was already getting the jeers when he sliced a back pass from about the penalty spot into his own corner of his net. And it was just a fantastic Christmas day out, which I think we won 3-0. We should have some sort of internet thing where I could look this thing up, couldn't we, really? 3 0, 3 1. That was a good one for me. And for me, I'm going to cast my mind right back to when I first started going back to the Bees back in the 80s, actually, as well. And I remember we used to, uh, I think it was the days when we used to sort of go be in the Royal Oak, I think maybe for one half, and then used to go to the, to the New Road for the second half sometimes. So you used to be able to go from one end to the other. And I remember we were playing Chesterfield, Cheetahfield, as we called them, uh, 1981. I think it was so it's 1981 we were playing Cheetahfield Chesterfield and uh, and it was a toe-to-toe game it was going from one end to the other one end to the other and uh, I think the score was two all at the time I'm pretty sure it was two all at the time and then all of a sudden a player for Chesterfield called um, uh, John Ridley as well 1981 he got the ball and it's really weird he just turned around and it was from about 30 yards he turned around and just shot the ball and curled it into the corner of his own net from about 30 yards. It was really bizarre. And obviously all the Bees fans went mad. I'm pretty sure that was the winner of the match as well. He was like really embarrassed. And after that, um, that's when we um, 
we named own goals uh, a Ridley, a Ridley Scridley Diddley. And so if you ever hear us talk about Scridley Diddley, Scridley Diddley Ridley, that is where it came from uh, John Ridley's own goal. Not um, Brentford related, but the funniest one was that, was it um, Chris Brass that was playing for Darlington and tried to do an overhead kick away from goal? volleyed it into his own face back into his own car oh, it was just hilarious just uh, ridiculous so listen we've had a little chat about own goals about fairness we've been talking about 100% you know 10 out of 10s you know the fact that everyone seems to love Brentford now uh, how, how things have changed over a number of years and we're not going to moan about it we're just going to we're just going to embrace it but also we're going to keep pretty mellow you know, we don't want to get too carried away as yet because it's still a long way to go. But we've got more things to talk about. We're not even quite sure what we're going to talk about after the twang, but we'll go to a twang, go to the bar, get another drink. Distillers, if you're ever in the area, come down to a wicked pub and then we'll come back and we'll talk about more bees. So, yes, we're back and, and, and we've taken a bit of a U-turn because we had all sorts of things that we were going to talk about. You know, we're talking about tickets and taps and new players and then we just, you know, had a little discussion. We thought, hold on a second... You know, we're right up there. We're in the league and uh, we haven't really had a massive discussion about that. And there's also a big game on Saturday. Leeds United are playing Nottingham Forest. And that is a huge, huge game. It's going to be on Sky after our game as well against Borough. So I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of people going back to the pub afterwards to watch that game and check it out. And it's interesting because, you know, just looking at... You know, I talk to a lot of fans, like I say, up and down the country all the time. I chat to Lees and Forest fans, and both of them are very, very confident. And it's interesting just hearing the Leeds fans. I mean, at the moment, you can hear us. We're trying to kind of hold things down a little bit. I mean, I know there was a little bit of tet our tet with the Forest fans, you know, talking about us and our spreadsheets and all this kind of stuff because there was a bit of technical stuff and, uh, and statistical stuff that went on online with uh, you know a couple of Brentford fans sort of saying you know technically we should beat beat Forest out the world and uh, it and, and it wasn't a fair that's right it wasn't a fair result and uh, it just it just didn't go it didn't, went, went down horribly went horribly with the Forest fans at the end so there was a lot of unhappiness with the Forest fans saying Brentford fans are arrogant and spreadsheets and all this kind of stuff so but on our side like I said to you we're trying to hold this down but the Leeds fans you know they're saying you know they're not on great form. At the moment, now you know they've they haven't they haven't had a clean sheet for about seven or eight games. I think it is, you know, uh, but they're still saying that you know form is temporary and uh, class is permanent. You know, they're saying that you know that, you know Leeds and Forest are two big sides who should be in the Premier League, and you know maybe this is the game that's going to maybe solidify them, and both of them will be getting up there. But it's interesting. There's still a presumption that you know the bigger the side the better the side is and you naturally should be in this you know in the Premier League and obviously we're not thinking that way we're just chiseling away doing our own thing so like I said Leeds Forest on Saturday that's got a big impact on Brentford going around the table here I'm just wondering Gaz GP what result would you love on Saturday love's probably a bit of a strong word yeah, I mean, well, you'd hope for a draw that they take points off each other. But otherwise, I'd probably hope that Forrest won because I think that it would just be... I think it's funnier to see Leeds fans like losing it than Forrest fans. Um, and also, the fact is, we are closer to being out of the, pl- out of the um, playoffs than we are to being in the automatic um, promotion slots. I mean, I'm coming to the Allard as well. I mean, you... Uh 
you, I mean, interesting. I'm going to ask you what score you, you you think it should be as well, and also your view in Leeds United because oh, we'll come back to the Leeds United view afterwards. Let me get your score first. Oh, I think I want Forest probably to win. Um, uh, I think it what would be good is a full-on brawl, uh, several players sent off, getting lengthy bans, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I'm, my eyes are on. If I'm honest, look, I, my eyes are on the top two, so. I will take a Forest win. I think I would imagine Forest will approach the game a bit similar to the way they approach the game against us, and that is to try and stifle Leeds and um, take what they can out of the game. And you know they're not they're not awful, Forest. I know they struggled against Birmingham, but they're but they're they're an okay side, Forest. So chances are they could get a result. The Dutchman. Hey, when you say form is temporary, do you mean like twelve years? I mean, that's a long time to keep harping on about how form is temporary and class is permanent. Um, I probably would prefer a draw. I think one of the beauties every year when you try and work out the permutations about where we're going to finish and looking around, you, you kind of sometimes forget that all these teams have got to play each other and they're all going to lose as well. So it's easy to look and say, well, if they win five, we've got to win five. But they're all going to play each other now. They're all going to drop points. This is an example of the games that have kind of come up. One of them or both will drop points. If we win, we will gain on one or two and other results will go away. Um, I don't think I ever want Leeds to win, so I'll go for Forest, but I'll take a draw. And for me, I mean, it's an interesting one because obviously you don't want either of them to win, but one of them has to or you could take a draw. For me, I'm thinking Forest, you know, if we're, if we're playing that numbers game, I'd actually go for Forest to win. And the reason why that I see overall still, um, I think that Leeds are a dangerous side and they create loads of chances. And technically, if all of a sudden they get their shooting boots back on, you know, that we could be in trouble with them. Whereas I think that Forest are the team that can, you know, um, OK, they've got Graben, who scores goals. You know, if you cut him out of it, who else is the goal scorer there? And also, they've got this game where they play it cagey and then they try and get that win. If they don't get that win, you know, it ends up being a draw or a loss. And they also had a really bad run of form, uh, probably like what we did, you know, around about Christmas time around then. So I'm thinking that let's go for the team and knocking out the team who potentially can get back on a, on a run at some stage and try and let them lose as, as many points as they can do now. Thing is, though, Forrest are probably the best team at getting results in this league, I think, in the 30 games so far. They're the, they're the one of the teams where, if you look at your, in inverted commas, fairness table, they're quite low down because they're, <laughs> they're the ones who, as you said, they're good at stifling teams and letting the other side have a lot of um, possession. And then they're the ones that, like the two games that we played against them, where nothing much has happened in those two games but they've had two halfish chances especially the one at Griffin Park um, a luck you know a deflection and they've won the game because they're, they're so good at protecting once they do um, take the lead yeah. I mean I mean, I've said about Leeds United. I mean, again, you know, everyone's waxing lyrical about Leeds United. If you again delving back into the stats world, who, like I said, this is not gospel. I just gives you an idea. But the projections that made Nate Silver, who is a renowned statistician, um, I say three five. Is it five three eight? Five three eight is his website as well. And he's the one that predicted the Trump victory as well. So he doesn't only do football. He does American football. He does politics. He does all sorts of stuff. And he's well known and well renowned in that whole world. And he's even with the little blips has, has put Leeds United as at the end of the season top of the league I think with 85 points which is relatively low actually as well and the reason why is just about the chances that they're creating and you know and, and what they're playing now, but the question I'd say to you is that I'd say you know Leeds 
you look at them, you know, they battered Wigan the other day, as you said, the Dutchman as well. They didn't put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, but overall, I said that Leeds are a good side. They're not scoring the goals, but they're a good side. But um, the Allards, you uh, you disagree with me, don't you? Well, the, no, I think they're a good side. I just think that um, Bamford's taking all the pain for not scoring the goals, but I think that pain needs to be shared around a bit. I don't think anyone else has scored more than four or five goals this season for Leeds. I think what's Bamford got? 10, 12, 11, I think 12 he's got. So, yeah, that, that, that's the only point I'm making is that, um, you know, that, that there's a few other people need to soldier the res- some responsibility for not scoring for Leeds. I think that... I. I, I, but, but when we had that issue at Brentford, because we ha- we did have that I issue at Brentford same. last season, wasn't it? And I said the same then. I said, you know, you can't, you know, we, we, this is a team game. Ben Rama scores three goals. He's not the centre forward. You know, the, 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 you've got three attacking players now. It's different to the way it used to be. You, you're not as reliant on a centre forward. You know, you need to share the, the goals around the team. And I, I've probably been saying this for four or five years now. So I think that Leeds... I still think they're probably the best team in the league. I think there's a lot of things sort of, you know, say that out. Um, they're having the sticky thing at the moment. Is it because they've, you know, some people will point to last season when it appeared they might have overtrained and um, they ran out of legs, really. Is that what we're seeing? Or are we just seeing a few, you know, freak results at the moment to do with Leeds? Yeah, I mean, I think you saw in the, when we played at Ellen Road, um, Leeds only we we that's the worst I've seen us play in um, in the, probably in the last four or five years. But um, Leeds only just got across the line against us with a very late goal. Um, that's now coming to bite them on the bum. So I think that they've got that fallacy and they haven't managed to sort that out. I mean, as the table goes, you know, you know, Brentford, we're on 50 points and we are, you know, uh, five points off second place, which is Leeds United, six points off top place as well. We've got to play Leeds United next week as well, which, you know, which, will, which could or could not, you know, is either going to widen the gap or it could shorten the gap or it could leave the gap exactly the same. But what's interesting, because you made a point as well, the Allard, that, you know, now if we're talking about the sort of the top half of the team, which is sort of like the top 13, top 13 teams or so. Um... We've only got to pay sort of two or three of them away from home. Is that right? Well, certainly in the top eleven, uh, we've only got to play two teams away from home. So, which, is, going, which are so, so Fulham? If you go down to Sheffield Wednesday. We've got to play Fulham away from home, and there was one Cardiff. other, the Cardiff and Cardiff. Sorry, they're in twelfth, aren't they? So yeah, that, so so that's it. You know, the rest of the teams we've either played twice or we're playing at home that are in the top um, twelve of the table. So. You've got to say that that's in our favour, especially with our home record so far this season. I still, I said at the start of the season, I think it would be Leeds and Fulham. I'm not sure I've changed my mind too much. I think there's a couple of disruptors, maybe us. I would still say if we finish above Leeds, we'll go straight up. What's really nice looking at that league table, probably for the first time in living memory, is our goal difference. It's almost going to be worth a point to us. And you know, I remember sneaking into the playoffs with Martin Allen, where our goal difference was. I think minus, minus one maybe or zero. You know, we're plus 20, uh, 26, I think. Uh, you know, it's unless things, if we're still up there, that's a point at the end of the season, which yeah. and it's, it's quite you know, reflective of the way we play and the style we're playing and the goals that we're scoring. 
which is a nice position to be in. But I still think, you know, we, we all have our digs at Leeds for various reasons. But I've got a, a lot of respect for them, really, as, as a team. And I think if we finish above Leeds, we will be automatically promoted. Yeah, you're right. And our goal difference is 26. Then the next one is West Brom. Their goal difference is 20. Then Leeds United is 19. Then Fulham with 13. West Brom with 11. And then, you know, we've got Bristol. We're Preston with 8. Bristol City with four, you know, and, and, and it goes to show you exactly where we stand, where, you, as you said, you're, you're right. That may stand us in, in very, very good stead. GP? Yeah, as I said, um, going back to what you've just said, I, I think before the Huddersfield game, I said that we needed two points a game, which would have given us 85. If we get that, I'm pretty sure we would go up automatically. So that's now gone up. We need, so in essence, we need another 35 points from the last 48 if we can do that then we will be in the Premier League next year so just looking just quickly about briefly with Leeds and uh, their next coming fixtures obviously they've got Forest and they've got us two tough games as well but straight after they play us Leeds United have also got Bristol City I mean they're at home as well Bristol City again on their sides they've just they've gone on a bit of a run recently and they come back in they come in at sixth place and uh, they've, they've got a couple of signings as well in the window so again they're a bit of a force to be reckoned with at the moment. Then we've got Reading, who are a funny side. You know, they got their director of football in, who gave himself a job. And uh, and he's not doing too badly himself. So he's going to be patting himself on the back, saying, I've done a really good uh, job here, giving myself a job. And uh, they're one of those sides that sometimes they win and sometimes they lose. Then they've got Borough as well. <laughs> and then we've got Borough as well, who are... Uh, Again, well, we'll see what they're going to be like on Saturday, but they've come off a bit of a, of a decent run after having a, a stinker as well there. So Leeds, and then they've got Hull City, who, well, they may have recovered by then. So they, they haven't got a great next six matches there, Leeds. GP? Yes, I think I think it's tough. And as you mentioned, the teams like Reading and Middlesbrough, you see they've gone on runs recently, and you've seen how good those teams are. And as I said earlier, you can throw a blanket over probably two-thirds of this division. It's all about who who can go out there and get on that run. And if we can get on that run, I think that's why we were so down after the Forest game. We knew that that was a big opportunity to take points off of one of our rivals. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do it. And that's why it was such a kick in the teeth. And the other team that's up there as well, and it's interesting because we're focusing on Leeds, but, you know, again, if you go to the stats people, they believe that West Brom is the team who we might be more likely, if we are ever going to catch somebody, uh, catch them up, just because of the run that they're on at the moment now and the way that they're performing. And if we carry on like that to the end of the season, if we carry on and they carry on, it's always a big if, you know, then, then, then potentially it'll be very close or we might be able to. So we're looking at their scenario. And I think the most interesting thing about West Brom over the next uh, month or so is probably not even necessarily their league fixtures is the fact that they're still in the FA Cup the Allard you were very happy with that weren't you yeah no I'm happy with that I'm still chuckling over your description of Reading as a football team sometimes they win sometimes they lose (laughs) because I think apart from Liverpool this season that describes every other team playing (laughs) league football Um, so you know uh, so so, sorry you asked me West Brom FA Cup yeah stay in it stay in it as long as you can get to Wembley in the FA Cup perfect so they've got no, they've got Newcastle um, in the FA Cup who beat uh, Oxford last night. So uh, West Brom are in action at uh, the beginning of March in the FA Cup. So their minds hopefully will be focused on that. You know, will they be resting players? Will they not? They didn't rest any players for the last round as well, did they? And, and that was kind of what I meant is that they, they appeared to, you know, 
I, I think they went um, full welly, didn't they, at it? And uh, it's them. interesting. God bless them for that. Um, you, uh, maybe there's people that would be thinking, well, it'd be quite nice if Brentford were playing Newcastle at home in the fifth round of the FA Cup. But this season, I, I think I'm more than happy to look at that fixture. Um, when is it? Is it on the so it's 5th of March? 5th of March, yeah, 5th of March. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's a midweek game, isn't it now? So, so you know, they could well be playing that Saturday against a team who aren't playing that week. So, you know, that's good news, I think. That's good. And also, I mean, a couple of games they've got in their league games as well. They've got uh, Millwall away, which, is, as we know, is always going to be tough as well. And they're fighting for a playoff place, Millwall, as well. They've got Nottingham Forest uh, at home as well. They've got Bristol City away. They've got Preston uh, at home as well so again in that six match period as well West Brom interesting interesting times for us as well so I mean you know we're looking in and around us you know what the other teams are doing you know Nottingham Forest as well you know QPR are a team that, you know they always cause problems because they can score goals you know you know Cardiff City Middlesbrough you know Millwall you know but it's 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 going to be an interesting you know it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks isn't it the Allard yeah, it definitely is. I think, uh, I keep saying, you know, you keep thinking, give it another couple of games, everything will become a bit clearer. And <laughs> what we've learned probably from the last two months is give it another couple of games and it all gets a bit muddier. Um, and who says that's not going to change? To be honest, the muddier it gets over the next month, the better, because it means that, you know, there are teams coming to back towards us and, and we're climbing the league. That's the way I see it. I mean, just... Just tapping back on Brentford now, because obviously we talked about this Leeds Forest game, which we hope is going to go one particular way. But we do have, you know, the fact is that because the game numbers are going down, we kind of have to just kind of start doing a job now because we've we've got away with sort of losing games where we should have won and all this kind of stuff. But we're at the we're at the sort of kind of real top end of the season now where we can't really be making any mistakes. So, say for example, the Leeds game, really. I mean, we'll talk about this on the radio show on Monday, but what result really do we have to get against Leeds? Can we get away with a draw? Or do we, if we're saying that we're going to be going for it, do we have to beat them? If, if we win on Saturday and they draw or lose, we can probably get away with a draw. But you've got to feel that we have to, at some point we have to stamp our authority on this and beat Leeds or West Brom. We've already beaten Fulham, but if we can beat Leeds or West Brom, I think we start really stamping our authority and what we're about. And particularly, I suppose, the fact that we haven't really beaten any team in the... Fulham. Uh, Fulham, other than... <laughs> OK. Any real team. No, in the top six. Yeah. Um, other than Bristol City now, because they've just snuck into the top yeah, six, yeah, actually. GB. Yeah, no, we need to we need to win that game. These, you know, we're, we're now playing with the big boys. We can't be messing about with draws and defeats and we've had to we've already lost 10 games a season that's edging towards too much as I said we need to average two, just over two points a game if, we, if we're looking at going up um, so we can't really afford to be losing unless we go unless we win four games until we won like four games we can't afford to lose one and, 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 and that's going to come to you because it's, again it's an interesting point just come back to Leeds because a lot of people talk about the, the you know the Leeds blowout the Leeds you know the overindulgence of the first half of the season the second half of the season they kind of lose it do you think that this is really true or do you think it's just kind of just part of the course that teams win some games and, and lose some games well I think the latter teams win and go on runs and losing runs the problem that Leeds have got is you know they it's a bit of fun for other fans to laugh at them, but they do have a track record of 
crumbling, you know, blowing up. And therefore, when they have a, a fairly normal, natural blip, as every successful team other than Liverpool, as Matt says, um, it's automatically panic stations because they've done it previously. I still think this Leeds team is too good not to be in the top three or four this year. You know, their challenge is whether they make it the top two. Um, you know, the blip that West Brom and Leeds have gone on is you know, added together as two clubs is staggering. It's whatever it is, like three wins in 20 or something silly between them. You know, it's, it's an amazing fall from grace for those. But teams to have blips, they've gone on slightly longer. And for Leeds, I think there's additional pressure that no other team has with their reputation for falling apart again. Um, but it is just a blip and they are definitely good enough and it's going to be a massive game next week. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that's the thing you do fear that it could, the Leeds, you know, I don't think they're going to have very many results like like the Wigan one. I, I think it, things will click for them. This is why we need to be taking points of them when we get the chance. As I said, that's a six-pointer game. It's, we'll get three, but it's worth six because we're taking three off of them as well. I'm just going to just briefly talk about this, um, just about this as a last point because we need to just bring it in because obviously we've signed a couple of players in the window. Um, some players that some people don't really know too much about. Um, if you check out Besotter.com, I wrote a little article on uh, the players Baptiste and Fossu, who are two players that we signed from Oxford. Uh, a joint uh, value of £3 million and uh, they came a bit of a bolt out of the blue and uh, the question that I asked was are these two players are the last jigsaw to the Brentford promotion puzzle and I've said that with a question mark just asking the question uh, and wondering whether or not you know first of all these players will actually get involved you know because you know um, from what I can understand, you know, Baptiste has had a, an ACL injury. You know, uh, he got that ACL injury a while back, and he's been sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of guided through this sort of slowly for Oxford. So he comes on and off, and yes, he's played you know a thousand minutes of, uh, of, of of game time for Oxford this season so far in the league, and he's also played roughly about the same in the cup as well. If you check it out on Besotted.com, that article I show a fantastic goal that he scored against West Ham as well. He also did a great assist for the second goal as well, if I think it is the type of player that he is. He's, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a box-to-box midfielder. He, he gets hold of the ball. He, he, he's able to glide past players. They find it very difficult to get the ball off of him as well. You know, So that's what he can do in you know Division 1. You know, whether or not he'll be able to step up and do it in the Premier League. Okay, yes, he did it against West Ham, but, you know, doing it week in and week out. Also, with this ACL injury, are they going to throw him straight in? I mean, the, the, the feeling that I've got with, with him is that, you know, probably might give him a bit of time and maybe it might be after the international window when he knows about our patterns and play and we get him up to speed and strength and fitness and all the things that he has to do. I might be wrong. Um, and also Fosu, he's a winger. And again, you know, he's another winger to add to the pot. You know, we've obviously got Valencia out there already. You know, we've got players who are kind of much more fit. And he was, he was 750 grand as well. He's a player who, if you listen to the Oxford fans, and I don't think they're being bitter, some of them, uh, but they said that they were quite surprised that Brentford signed him because I think they weren't quite thinking that he would step up to a team who was like on the verge of you know the playoffs to the Premier League so maybe he's kind of a player who we've got to put into the system and get him to build for maybe a year's time when another one of our player leaves you know but they're still in there and as they say Brentford just like Ogbeni they throw him in there and they say let's see what they can do let's see what they're like 
and then they'll deal with it afterwards. And a Benny, he didn't quite work for us, but now he's gone to Rotherham. He's playing regular games, and he is loved there. And they, you know, he's one of the the, the hottest players in Division One at the moment now, which is uh, great because if he moves on, we get a sell-on clause. But um, he wasn't at the right time for us. But these two guys, I'm just wondering. It's difficult because you don't know too much about them. But do you think they are going to add? to our playoff campaign too much and, and make a difference and maybe be able to break down teams. Promotion campaign. Yeah, that's a player. So, sorry, our promotion, you see, I'm, <laughs> I'm still trying to hold it down, you know. Our promotion campaign. And uh, Baptiste in particular, do you think they're going to throw him in to try and lock um, defences? Like, you know, when we get teams like Forrest coming down who frustrate us. Yeah, why not? Uh, I... I mean, I have seen him play, but not for three years. I saw him play non-league football for Hampton, and I what I remember about him was I was very surprised he was 18 years old. Um, he he was he, you know he's an up and downer. He's got legs and he can run for 90 minutes. Is is everything I can remember about him. So maybe cover, he has a little bit more energy than than what we're seeing in midfield at the moment. Will we throw him in? We another injury or two we might have to uh, failing that we can bring him on as a, as a sub you know sometimes you talk about impact players coming on you know in the attacking positions he's more central midfield for my recollection albeit he'll carry the ball and he'll get up and down the pitch for you so yeah why not I, I, I think we'll see him at some point I don't think we'll see him in the immediate future but give it a give it a few weeks maybe I don't know too much about these two players, but listening to what people have said and watching online, they seem exactly the sort of players that we should be buying. But I think we're buying them for the future. Um, I think our, our big purchase stroke statement in this transfer window was we didn't sell what we had. And we'd all have taken that with no additions prior to the window. And that's, that's, that's our commitment and investment. These two guys look good. Baptiste in particular, I would imagine, will be around the squad. He seems to have something different. Um, but you're not going to drop any of the first teamers at the moment, are we? But you know, come suspensions or injuries or you know the dreaded Plan B where things aren't quite working, they look like they're two players who can add something different. But I think it's another sign of perhaps the club thinking slightly ahead of us. Um, these are two for the future, for building. And as I say, the commitment to me and the the excitement for the transfer window is who's not gone, not who's coming. Yeah, I suspect that they have been brought in. Uh, something that um, our team have seen that they can develop these guys um, for the future however I also think that they know that last time we were in this situation we felt and know a lot of people felt that we ran out of legs and had we have um, bought some more legs in in the um, transfer window we would have you know maybe we would have had maybe we would have had a better squad to be able to cope with the playoff and those going towards the end of the season, um, so I do think that they have they have bought them as extra legs, but also as players for the future. So listen, just check out the article that I've done. Like I said to you, it's about um, Baptiste and Fossu. Are they the last piece of the jigsaw for the Brentford promotion push? Question mark. And like I said to you, besotted.com. Um, just check that out. Um, you can do but listen we're going to look forward to Saturday because we have a match on Saturday we've got Borough coming down and Borough was our proper proper bogey team 
absolute bogey team they were. They beat us every single time we played them. Four times in one season as well they beat us. But those days are behind us now. You know, we've beaten them a couple of times over the past couple of seasons. And, uh, well, you know, it's looking good for Brentford at the moment now. But they're a tough side. And uh, there's one man who's going to be able to tell us exactly how tough they are at the moment. Because they're on a bit of a run. We're going to talk to Andy from the the, the smoggy smoggy scholars podcast. I'll tell you something, that's a bit of a mouthful. You've had a couple of gin and tonics here as well. But anyway, smoggy scholars podcast. That's Andy. He's going to tell us all about Borough. Hi, this is Andy Roberts from the Smoggy Scholars podcast. I've been a Borough fan since the late 70s, so I've seen most of the lows as well as our recent highs. Um, this podcast is something fairly new. It's only been going for a couple of months. Uh, we've touched on other subjects like gaming and American sports, but the majority of it is covering the mighty borough. Well, this season, before the season, um, I was looking at mid-table when we appointed Woodgate. We had a, a very, very shaky start. Some of that was a bit of na- naivety, youth and inexperience on and off the pitch as well. Um, I didn't particularly want Woodgate, if I'm being brutally honest with you. Um, I would prefer someone a little bit more experienced who knew the division a little bit better. But we're having to cut our cloth at the moment, so we ended up with a a rookie manager. Fans were actually split between him, I think. Uh, There's a lot that were the same thought as me, that he was too inexperienced for it. Um, And then there was the band which thought, well, he's a local lad. Um... And he's um, deserves his chance with the club. Um, he came in and he promised us attacking football. Um, he very quickly abandoned that, and we went, I think, too conservative, especially in 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 some of the, in, in some of the home games. Whether that was a fallout from Pulis, perhaps, but um, it certainly left us playing catch up from very early on in the season. Personally, I didn't think he could turn it around. I thought the way he was trying to be too brash with the press was a sign of not being in front of the camera answering those sort of questions. And it was a little bit of a naivety on his part. And it was almost as if um, he was trying to ignore the situation that we were in. Um, I think it all came to a head at the Leeds game, um, which was a complete surrender on our part to a local rival. Um, we just didn't turn up and we got absolutely thumped. And the fourth goal, if you've ever seen it, the lack of effort to even close the player down was just absolutely shocking. Since then, I don't know whether it's getting together with, with the players, sort of a sort of an animal mentality, or whether he's been getting help from outside. We have actually played better. We've gone on a good run at home where we've been unbeaten in 10. Um, but the recent performances have been a little bit inconsistent so although we hope this is a permanent turnaround there still is some work to do the fans that go the happier um there's still a split of you if you read social media there's still a big split from the fans between those who are pro woodgate against woodgate and those who are, are now slagging off people who were against woodgate and now pro woodgate um we're still missing a little bit of creativity in our team um Patrick Roberts looked very good when he came in, very uh, direct, looked, looking to take on defenders. Losing him for six to eight weeks has been a, was a real blow, and it's maybe the reason that Ravel Morrison's been brought in. Whether he can come in and do the job is always a big question, because it's always a question that's asked of Morrison, of whether he can do the job. But if he can't, and he can give us that little bit of creativity, then who knows where we can end up finishing. Um... 
really this year the senior players have been the ones that have let us down certainly early in the season whether that was the formation whether it was the tactics whether it was motivation whether it was um you know a fallout from you know from from the type of football they were asked to play last year um i don't like to single play, sing, single players out but to the likes of Saville didn't hasn't been earning his price tag the last 6 to 8 weeks he's looked a lot better but um, as I said, he's still way short of what we expected when we signed him. And then you've got players like Gestead, who's the highest earner at the club, and he doesn't even start. He's been injured a lot. And when he comes on, he doesn't make the impact that he should be making. As you know, we've got uh, quite a, a colourful recent history with Brentford. Um, we've, always, we've always found that the home games, we've had the upper hand. Certainly during Karanka's time and just after. Away from home, it's been a little bit closer normally it's been Brentford that have dominated the game and we managed to sneak a win. Um, that's the thing that's given me a bit of hope for Saturday, if I'm being quite honest with you. Um, the playoff games, of course, we had. Um, there was a little bit of, sort of needle beforehand from some of the Brentford players. We all remember Harley Dean's comments um, that gave it a little bit more of an edge. Um, and I think that late winner um, really gave us the advantage in the second leg to play the way that we wanted to play um, and made it more of an easy victory to us. Um, and we've been on a great run not being beaten by Brentford until last season. Um, and you came to our place and beat us. Uh, the reasons behind that, I think, were a bad sub by Tony Pulis when we were leading and then we just couldn't, from that position, cope with the attacking play of Brentford, um, which meant us losing the game. This season was completely different. Um, the first half we did okay to start off with and then the second half and late in the first half well, more the second half we were completely schooled we really were um, and Brentford thoroughly deserved their victory uh, and possibly after the 3-3 um, the three, three draw at Luton and looking to start positively against Brentford I think it was um, one of those um, things where it was potentially what happened in the second half that started Woodgate to go a little bit more conservative. Where we are, where the where Brentford are, is where they're where we want to be. Um, they're a definite shout for promotion while we're looking to consolidate a mid-table, but the whole structure of the club um, is so good, from the chairman down through the manager, the scouting is absolutely second to none, and I really do think that Bradford, Brentford are in with a very good uh, shout of promotion this season. As for Saturday's game, well, you know, Benarama and Watkins are the danger men. Um, it's going to be trying to keep them quiet or trying to stop the support to them because there's quality all through Brentford's team this year. I think the only reason we will we can stop them and the way we will try to do it is the same as we did against West Brom. Um, and the fact that we'll try and stifle a team that's very good at home. We'll probably let you have most of the play and then try and hit on the break if we can and see if we can sneak, um, sneak, sneak a win as we have done in previous years. It's going to be very, very tough this year. Um, I'm going to try and be positive, <laughs> but um, it's going to be a hugely tough game for us. I'm going, to, I'm going to go for us nicking a point in a 1-1 draw. Come on, Bora. See you Saturday. Andy, the smoky scholar there, giving you the borough lowdown. And uh, as you heard, he's, uh, he's a bit upbeat because they're... Um, They've been picking up over the last few weeks and uh, yeah, they're very happy up there in Borough. And they're coming down there to Brentford. He's, he's, he's given a little bit of a draw there, but I think secretly he's probably thinking that they might actually nick something from this game. And I think that, to be quite honest with you, this is a game where we need to be again. I keep saying this week on week, we need to be on our A game because this is a, 
a tricky tie. If we were playing them early in the season, I would have said, you know, they come to Griffin Park, I think it would have been a bang on three points. But I think recently, the way that they're playing, he's turned them around. He's got them to sort of kind of learn their, as they say, patterns of play, even though they're not the... They're not perfect at the moment now, but I think, again, they're another side who does the things that we don't particularly like. I mean, they like playing, or they like sitting deep. They like playing in their own half, you know. They're quite aggressive as well, you know. Um, they, they, you know, they, they, they attempt the three balls often. They take quite a lot of shots. So it's one of those scenarios that we can't let them get on the ball. We can't let them shoot. And also, they're going to be sitting tight and then trying to hit us on the break. You know, they've got a couple of fast players out there, so we need to be on our A-game. The Elard. Yeah, I think it's been quite a rebuilding season for uh, Jonathan Woodgate. He's had to sort of uh, put a team together that's been left by, was it Pulis before him? And um, I don't think, you know, I think I think Stoke are finding that problem, and I think that Middlesbrough have had the same problem. It's, um, I think if you look at, and, and just a really quick example is... Um, one shot on Bill. You remember him? Um, he's played for Birmingham. Uh, he uh, Huddersfield. Yeah, absolutely. So, so he's a centre back, really, isn't he? But uh, Pulis had him playing as a right back, and I think he might, and as a right wing back, I think, and maybe even as a right winger at some point. And that tells that sort of tells you everything you need to know. I think he's been back at centre back. I think he's albeit that he's injured at the moment, but you know, so Woodgate's had a real battle on his hands. He's had a lot of injuries. He ran out of centre backs at one point. I was playing midfielders there and that sort of thing so he's sort of turned it around now and like you say it's probably the worst time to play him we could have done with playing them this game maybe you know although you can't play them home and away in, <laughs> in the first two months of the season obviously but you know it, 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 it could be a bit of a game on Saturday I still back us to win though I mean and, and it's interesting because you start talking about goals and you're talking about Leeds spreading the goals around as well. You know, obviously they've got Bamford bang up there. They never, and after that, everyone's on five goals, four goals, three goals. I mean, you look at them, we were talking about Fletcher banging in the goals, but he's on seven goals for them. Asomba Longo, who's a player that we know very well from his uh, Peter Brades, you know, then, you know, he moved up to Forest, and he's a player that we was always quite scared of. But again, he hasn't been bang on four for them. He's got six goals, he's got McNair with four, uh, Lewis Wing with three, and Danny Ayala with two. So again, they're not... They're, they're out there and they're doing their thing, but they're not necessarily banging the balls in the back of the net. They create quite a lot of chances, though, don't they? I think, especially in recent games. I've, you know, if you look at um, some examples recently, they're creating chances in front of goal, and you know that that can lead to goals. I, I, I'm not as sort of reticent as you. I'm not expecting them to come down and do a forest on us. I, I think they'll be a bit more open than that. Uh, everything I know is that they're more attacking than that and I you know really what have they got to lose I mean they're not fighting really a relegation battle anymore they've got to win a load of games if they're going to get anywhere near the playoffs so I'm expecting to come to come to us and have a go and, and, and where they are I'm going to come to Dutchman in a minute is that interestingly I mean we talked about what their strengths are you know as well you know creating chances through through balls scoring chances counter-attacks and protecting the lead so again we can't go behind but where they're weak is aerial duel so they're not great in the air so we're probably quite similar there and also defending uh, against attacks down the wings which is where we are very good so this is maybe where we might be looking to open them up and also finishing scoring chances actually they're very very weak so they're as we said not putting the ball in the back of the net Dutch for me the, the only plus of losing a game like Forest at home is the lessons that you learn from that quite quickly and 
the bounce back stuff we talked about earlier in terms of what happened Saturday at Hull but we really won't and I'm not saying we're underestimating Forest or but we kind of had a bit of a wake up there about we've got to do our stuff every single game and I think that'll be fresh in their minds and whilst I think Borough will be yeah, it's not going to be easy I would back us right now at home to do well against most teams and I think particularly if the you know the, the attacking down the wings thing is a um, something that we can exploit that really is our strength and I can't see Borough containing us for 90 minutes I mean again Borough and, and the, um, the LR mentioned it as well yeah they have been creating chances you know again we go back to the XG if you look at them you know the last game against Blackburn you know they had a number of chances in the area in the six yard box you know creating very good very good chances inside there which is really good but what's in, more interesting is the fact that they actually and I was trying to look for their last away league game and they've actually not played an away league game for over a month the last one was actually on New Year's Day away to PNE where they actually beat PNE 2-0 and again they created a loads of really well that day created a loads of chances again very good you know high XG chances in the box you know literally on the six yard box and also in the the 18 yard box as well so they did really well there but what I will say is that probably the difference between that is that for Brentford we have to remember that we have the best defence in the league so you know create those chances against Preston or creating those chances again in their last game as they did against Blackburn it may be different you know against Brentford who are, are a lot tighter will they get those opportunities and also when they get those opportunities as you know they're not being adept in actually putting them in the back of the net so maybe we've got a better chance of actually getting a result out of them you know just 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 through those just through those factors yeah so I mean they will know they can't afford to be too open against us because they know what our BMW can do to them if they give us too much space, as Hull found out um, at the weekend. Um, you know, with us, you know, with us, they're going to keep it, they're probably going to keep it tighter than they normally do. As you said, they haven't played um, away for quite a while. They did hit a bit of a purple patch of form, which then started to drop off because I think they went into the game, they played Leeds. Was it Leeds they played away? Oh, then they're on quite a good run of form and Leeds absolutely obliterated them. It was, you know, again, that was a game that probably Leeds could have scored more than four in that game. Um, they'll be wary of that and I think they will keep it tighter. I mean, and, and I mean, talk about aggression. I mean, it could, could be a bit of a punch-up. I mean, maybe, maybe you should put some money on there being a, and a red card in this match. I mean, they, they love a yellow card. Uh, it looks like Paddy McNair's got six yellow cards and a, and a red card. George Savile's got four yellow cards and a red card as well. You know, you've got Johnson as well, who's got a couple of yellow cards and a red card. They've got three, more than that, but they've got at least three red, red cards already this season. So I think they like to, uh, they like to stick it up. The, the opposition teams as well so that could be quite interesting depending on you know how lenient or tough the referee is yeah I mean I guess you could you can say that does hark back to the borough teams that we remember of old where they were more than happy to take several yellow cards and share it out amongst the team in, in an effort to stop us playing um, so yeah I, I, I guess so uh, Saville sort, you sort of forget he's there don't you he's um but I think what I read earlier is that he's been playing, even been playing as wing back for him, which shows how sort of how troublesome they've had injuries this season. I mean, he's playing. Yeah, I mean, he's you know, you're saying playing. He's playing. Yeah, he's playing at. It depends on which game it is as well. I mean, they've got him in the midfield, but he's also playing. You know, he's playing at wing back as well. Shot, like I said, you is in the middle. You have got Danny Ayala in the centre back as well. Um, Randolph. 
ran out, didn't, on, didn't, he went off to he went off to West yeah, Ham, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, he was, uh, he's a good goalkeeper, and I think that they were a little bit um, wary of their of their new goalkeeper. I don't know if he's managed to settle in as well. You know, I think he's done all right by all accounts. Reading the line, I think yeah, he's unknown and unexpected, but he seems to have done good. So I don't think they've got any worries about him anymore. It's, it's not the obviously they got the Spanish guy. He's a Spanish that plays in the cup, played against Tottenham, who had a bit of a howler, didn't he? Uh, so I guess it's not I, I don't think it's him it's the other they got somebody else uh, this is really informative isn't it yeah no no because it's a young kid isn't it because Randolph got injured the young kid came in and did so well he kept um, Randolph out the team and then Randolph ended up um, leaving so so look you know so I mean Borough coming down um, as we know and then and Andy talked about it a little bit earlier they had a tendency to come down to Griffin Park and always nick something. I mean, he said that, you know, it was daylight robbery most of the time. They'd come down there, they'd sit deep, you know, they'd soak up the pressure, then hit us with a goal. We'd always be better than them. Or, you know, he even said it wasn't a fair result. But anyway, we won't go on about that. <laughs> but, you know, they'd hit us hardcore, get the goal, they go back with the three points. Um, it's a different scenario at the moment now. Like I said to you, we need to be on our A game. So going around the table here, Borough coming down to Brentford do you think it's going to be a fair result GP um, I think it'll be a winning result for Brentford Mr Score prediction uh, I, don't know, I will say it's going to be 2-1 2 to Brentford okay. the Ellards Borough coming down do you think it's going to be a fair result I think 3-1 would be a very fair result <laughs> to who 3-1 to who to Brentford you say the question mark, you know, I've got, I've got to make sure, I've got to do my due diligence. The Dutchman, Borough coming down, do you think it's going to be a fair result? I don't give a monkey's if it's a fair result, as long as we win. Um, and I will do my usual 3 0 B's prediction. I think the days of fear in Borough have gone. I think we've met some, yeah, we've made some good friends with those guys, and they're starting to enjoy their trips less and less, which is fantastic. And most of them are still nice. One or two have fallen by the wayside. Look forward to catching up with them, but they don't enjoy their trips quite as much as they used to since we've broken the, the hoodoo, uh, you know, the, the bogey team you said earlier. I think they're coming into this game as underdogs, and I quite expect us to live up to their expectations. Excellent there. The Dutchman did a bit of a liberal nick there as well. He's, he's gone back on it. You know, and he, he's, 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 he's accepted the, the definition now, which is uh, it's, it's took a bit of time and grinding away there, but it's finally done. And for myself as well, like I said to you, Borough Chums will be coming down on Saturday. We're looking forward to having a right good drink with all them lot as well. They're coming down nice and early. And uh, like I said to you, good for a catch up with them. But as they know, um, and they're used to it now because, like I said, when we went up there, you know, we beat them. We went to the bar afterwards, had a drink with them, and they just came up to us and said, fair play. It's about time you're beating us, and I really do believe that we, we will, because we need to get a result on Saturday, 2-0, I think, to the mighty, mighty bees. So um, that's it, I think, isn't it? You know, we're talking about fair results, we're talking about here, we're talking about rock and roll pubs, and as you can hear the soundtrack in the background, there's all sorts of rock and roll been going on all night. This is what we've been, sort of, um, this is what they give us. You know, the staff have taken really great care of us here in the distillers in uh, Hammersmith, just down from the, the F word, Fulham, which will be here on the 13th of March as well. So like I said to you, and this opens quite late, so maybe if the result goes right, we might pop in here for a Swifty after the match. 
bit of a hip hop hooray there's a bit of hip hop we've heard it's going on well like I said I'm Billy Grant here with my chums with the Chief Beat Gary Paul I'm here with the Allard the Allard man I'm here with the Dutchman as well check us out give us a review give us a thumbs up on iTunes check us out on Monday the radio show 8 till 9 o'clock Pride of West.London social 1st of May but tickets will be on soon next week I promise I'll do them as well but other than that we're going to get very excited as the Borough fans are going to come down we have some drinks with them and then hopefully take the three points and they go away and we're back tomorrow and we'll be happy to say how are you The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.